0: welcome to another episode of pat and the fat man we like to talk about movies, sports and whatever else we feel like i'm pat Now i'm the fat man otherwise known as bruce Coming at you with a whole new movie. This movie was chosen by our Patreons out of a list of 80s and 90s era dystopian movies up for option.
1: Let's be clear. Knew that we
0: haven't reviewed it yet. (laughs) Have we reviewed any dystopian movies?
1: I guess Matrix.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, literally the first one we did. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, like, in that we haven't done this movie for our fans ever because this is a movie from 19, what, 80?
0: Yes. And this is Escape from New York. <laughs> That's right. We're going to detail the life and times of Snake Blitzen by life and times, I mean less than twenty four hours of his life, <laughs> but an action packed twenty four hours. I definitely gotta say,
1: I get the feeling that Kurt Russell and Arnold Schwarzenegger both got drunk in a room several weekends in a row and started talking about. I wonder how many movies we can do like per week, you know, and get paid. <laughs> and then, like maybe it was a dry spot. They sure <laughs> they weren't going to get work, so they were just you know ten thousand dollar checks here and there for to do these movies because. <laughs> I was looking through like similar movies. was like, boy, that's a bad Schwarzenegger movie. That's a bad Schwarzenegger movie. That's a bad Kurt Russell movie. And it was like, you know, these guys were like out of college trying to do Joe work, you know, until they made it big.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we're doing Escape from New York. Not to be confused with the uh, sequel movie, Escape from L.A., also done by Kurt Russell.
1: Which was on TV this weekend.
0: Yeah, it's set in a dystopian world. Interestingly enough, of the four or five dystopian movies I put up there, number one, I put up Escape from New York as kind of a last random thought. Oh, yeah, this might fit as well, because it is set in something of a dystopian universe. But it's one of the dystopian movies that deals with the fact that it's in a dystopian movie the least. Mm -hmm. In fact, almost not at all. Like it. besides like the end of the movie and the beginning, there is really no story dialogue (laughs) about the world as it is or like discussion about, you know, what it is we're watching. So, but I think we're already kind of in. So let's just go ahead and do first impressions of the fat man.
1: So I'm not going to say it was a bad movie. This is kind of a B movie that. You sit down with a bunch of your college friends and get drunk and watch, you know, and then talk through the whole thing, <laughs> drinking Bud Light or whatever equivalent uh, that beer is to you. Keystone popcorn and, and yeah, Keystone. <laughs> <laughs> you do this with somebody's big screen TV and a one lamp lit in the room, and we—I'm just setting the mood here because really this is like exactly that kind of film. This is not a film that you take very seriously and you put on and you almost forget about because if you really watch this movie not a whole lot happens nothing it's not terrible per se it's just not a lot happens it's (laughs) not even the action stuff i mean there's some action stuff but i mean like even that wasn't a whole lot
0: (laughs) i would say said and done there's maybe like four pages worth of dialogue
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah even the characters really didn't have any sort of depth to them really they didn't have personalities because they didn't have time to have personalities the other thing I will say is that this is definitely a dated movie because it hits a little differently because such a central part of the movie and what was obviously the central part of New York at the time was the the World Trade Center. So and then, you know, you sit down and go, boy, that's not there. Yeah. <laughs> and so it hits a little differently. You're just like, wow. <laughs> like I said, it's not objectionable. It's not cult classic like Rocky Horror, but, you know, it's not terrible either it's really kind of a eh. yeah
0: yeah because <laughs> truth be told it's been decade probably more since i'd actually watched the whole thing and i'm pretty sure when i watched it it was one of those on tv there were commercials i was doing something else while i was watching it just because it's one of those movies you can do that with and not really miss anything like you can come in and out of it and the, and and the <laughs> same basic stuff is going on and the other couple of things that hit me was
1: this is directed by John Carpenter. Yeah, this is like the most mellow John Carpenter movie I can think of. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I will say the music uh, was probably for me the highlight. Just it was very eighties. Oh yeah, but it was also very well done eighties music. Like it just everything the music did everything for the movie. Yes, I don't know how else to put it. It just it set every mood correctly. It it made all the jump scares better. Yes, it made everything work better. Even though it was like spectacular '80s music, expect to see on a like a in a video game eight bit kind of a thing. It was still a lot of fun. So the music was great. The story was very simple. And got to be honest, really straightforward.
1: That's all I thought about this movie. <laughs> like, this would make a great video game. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's like like even like an eight bit scroll, you know, video game, a you know, scroll adventure, or yeah, some sort of fighting game, or I don't know. It was you know that yeah that I could see, but
0: yeah unlike a lot of our movies where we'll, we'll spend hours <laughs> talking about a movie i fully don't expect us to get more than three episodes if we get three episodes i will just be impressed by our own bombastic-ness. If we get 2
1: i'll be happy i'll be proud of ourselves <laughs> I,
0: I, I imagine we'll get two because there's a lot of discussion to be had about the dystopian world they're in and, and that sort of stuff but
1: well, the, the, okay the surprising part there i gotta say is there's a lot of discussion about the dystopian world that we really didn't get to see or explained about. I mean, like, even the prison itself, there's really not a whole lot of explaining. Yeah,
0: I mean, mostly it's going to be us like, making stuff up. (laughs) Right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) They tell you it's a 50-foot container wall. I'm like, okay, that's going to keep people out. (laughs) 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 Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there weren't holes per se in it, but then again, they didn't give you enough details. Like, it doesn't give you enough for it to hang itself with its own story.
0: Right, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just a very simple story. Strange, but relatively simple premise. Very 80s.
1: It was like you wanted to write, you know, a script for a video game, and no one was <laughs> like,
0: no, no, you make movies, dude. You make movies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, and before I get too lost into it, I want to say I... This was my first time watching it ever. I did look at IMDb for the film, and there were three surprise people in this movie that I didn't realize. One is James Cameron. Mm-hmm. James Cameron, the director. He was a like assistant director of photography for visual effects in this movie. And then two cameos. One is Steve Buscemi. Yeah. And Bruce Campbell. I, I don't remember seeing them in the movie, but uh, they're listed in this movie as cast of characters. Yeah.
0: I mean Ernest Borgnine for me was the I was like I was watching the you know the pre-movie credits. I was like Ernest Borgnine's in this. Man, I do not remember that. <laughs> I
1: saw Harry Dean Stanton I was like, he was in everything in the eighties, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. All right. Let's dive into this. Yeah, let's go with the premise. <laughs> the premise.
1: Well, okay, it does make some sort of sense in that the president's plane, Air Force. Okay, we're what this is. It says it's
0: 1997. So let's start with the opening. The very it's 1988. There's a 400 percent increase in crime for some reason. And cocaine. And they decide to, yeah, I guess to wall off Manhattan and make it a maximum security prison. There's only one rule. Like if you go in, you don't come out so let's start there (laughs) let's just talk about that one a little bit (laughs) so 80s was kind of like australia fever
1: you know (laughs) and and the tears (laughs) for fears and dire straits and that sort of thing so we literally they were like how do we create australia in the united states (gasps) we wall off manhattan that's what we do it's like okay i mean, I mean if you're really gonna think big i would have said walled off nevada but you know whatever <laughs> yeah i mean that's
0: slightly more like australia giant mountains and desert with like little spots of cities surrounded
1: by more desert and mountains
0: <laughs> yeah it's interesting to me 80s was the time frame where crime in new york was just awful like san francisco now nobody would go there because they were too <laughs> too worried about getting robbed or stabbed or mugged or you know raped or what, whatever it was because it was awful crime rate was was absolutely terrible in new york city and things started to turn around in the 90s and the 2000s as you know mayor rudy rudy giuliani secretly killed all the homeless people and crime got a lot better not really sure that's a joke <laughs> Well, it's a family guy reference, (laughs) though. I know, but But either way. Is it really a joke? (laughs) I don't know. Either way, crime got a lot better. New York kind of cleaned up its act in a lot of ways, so much so that people could now visit without worrying about being killed or at least having all their stuff stolen. Unlike San Francisco now. That was sort of like the feeling, I guess... In that time frame that things were just going to keep getting worse, like inner cities were just going to keep getting worse because it wasn't just New York that was having this problem. It was all the inner cities, Detroit and Chicago and L.A. And I mean, to be honest, they all still have major crime problems. They're just not as prevalent and sweeping and as as much of a danger to the tourist or the taxpayers or citizens as some crime lords will refer to regular folks. It's not Rio anymore. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so, you know, I think there was a feeling from a lot of people's part, things were just going to get worse, right? Because you go from the seventies where there were riots, most major cities saw some form of riots that did major damage to some portion of the city followed by the 80s, which is a huge uh, increase in crime. And so I think there was a lot of thought that going into the 90s, it was just going to keep getting worse. And so this was a, kind of like a what-if scenario. Things get so bad in Manhattan, that the people who own all the buildings abandon Manhattan, which that strikes me as a little far-fetched. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a lot of stubborn people for <laughs> no reason to just get up and move out, you know? Crime or no crime. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, they make a lot of money (laughs) off of off of those buildings. And I can't see like the World Trade Center being abandoned. Oh, yeah. You know, either you have one or two scenarios. Either the government said, all right, we're doing this thing. Imminent domain. Yeah. I cannot at all ever see the mayor of New York, who is roughly equivalent in power to the governor of of New York, going along with that. (laughs) Like like from a right. (laughs) Just from a power city standpoint of having manhattan walled off from the rest of new york city i mean granted you still have the rest of new york city and that's the other like question i'm like i mean manhattan probably wasn't the worst of it (laughs) like there are several other boroughs
1: bronx queens i mean the queens i mean like in, in the 80s that was the center point for coming to america and I'm pretty sure, definitely parts of trading places.
0: Yeah, sure, lots of crime, but like, and I get it. Manhattan's an island, so that's the easy part. We'll just wall that. So it's interesting. You've got this, I guess, much more dictatorial government and uh, imperialist kind of, you know. I think it gets called imperialist uh, kind of government that takes Manhattan. Yes, and it says like the the police force you know the u.s police force encamped outside like an army and i'm thinking to myself no they're probably still doing their job (laughs) because you have to send people to this place still (laughs) and it's just a maximum security prison i mean like you still have all the other prisons
1: (laughs) well well, listen to what they called them there the u.s police force like well there is no u.s police force you said they they they're like an army like you mean they were the army that's right so
0: it's the national guard if you
1: were going to use somebody it would be like yeah the national guard if you were going to do that but i mean (laughs) because you don't want (laughs) to say that for fear of i don't know a lawsuit or something i i don't know but
0: (laughs) yeah i don't know either the closest thing we have to a national police force is the fbi And they're not a national police force. They're an investigation organization.
1: (laughs) Right. They're actually not allowed to conduct police actions. They, you know, they were they get the actual police to do the work for them and then take them in.
0: (laughs) It would be like if you had a police force that had no actual policemen, it was just detectives and hire (laughs) Like, like that's the FBI. I guess this was another act of Congress to create this U.S. police force to watch over this island. Beyond that from a structural standpoint building a wall around an island where the wall isn't on the island and has to go through several like the river on several occasions that's a pain in the it's <laughs> like, not a small amount of money or work or effort mm-hmm. that's got to play havoc in all the shipping channels that go through there. New York's a port. <laughs>
1: like- right. Well, we I mean, you know they have Fleet Week just like San Diego, you know. And, and they they've got an aircraft carrier museum in New York. I mean, it's
0: one of the reasons New York is the city as it, it is is because of the port. because <laughs> it, it was a trade center, literally. <laughs> all the logistics about this Make very little sense. I'm like, okay, seriously, the island of Manhattan, (laughs) don't get me wrong. The DFW airport landmass is bigger than the island of Manhattan, but still I'm pretty sure if you took all the maximum security prisons that we have in the United States, like right now. You could easily fit them all in a portion of that island. (laughs) Right. If you're going to pick an island to make a maximum security prison, you pick the wrong one. Like, it's too big. It's already in use. (laughs) You're going to screw up all kinds of stuff by building this dang wall. Right. Like, like, as a mega project, I just can't see it getting through any kind of legislative body. (laughs) There's just no way. Certainly not in New York. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like how many different agencies? The New York
1: delegation, I can't imagine, would be unanimous behind this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you can turn one of our most largest money making and tax areas into a maximum security prison. Sure, why not? Wait a minute.
1: <laughs> no, you can't do right, that. As opposed to the, you know, the Nevada delegation, which is all of four people, you know, the two congressmen plus the mandatory two senators. But I mean,
0: except when the, one of those two senators happens to be the president of the Senate or the president of the Senate, the, the Senate majority leader. Harry Reid, and he stops oh, really? the government mm. from putting nuclear waste in the Yucatan Mountain after they brought over a billion dollars into his state, because he's a jag. Mm. <laughs> Fuck Harry Reid. Fuck him in this goat ass. <laughs>
1: hey, we're not here to talk about the Senate. We're here to talk about a bad 80s movie. <laughs>
0: All right. So somehow they pushed through the the creation of Manhattan into a maximum security prison. So I got to assume things are pretty awful. I mean, I guess a 400% increase in crime would make things pretty awful and would likely result in, in your country or at least local area going into some kind of police controlled state just for safety purposes. Martial law. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's what this was as a result of martial law. So... But they don't
1: mention anywhere else.
0: No. It's just like four hundred percent crime increase, and then this happens. And you're like, I don't how did we get from A to B? <laughs>
1: and then a very, you know, brief description about the prison itself, the 50 foot container wall. And then what did they say? They mined all the bridges going in They destroyed all but three bridges going in and out of Manhattan. I
0: don't even think they talk about destroying those. I they just mine the bridges and tunnels. Right. And I'm kind of like why was that the solution?
1: <laughs> Why is that the solution when you didn't have any intention of bringing food and water through them?
0: Yeah. Wouldn't you then just destroy them? On the other side of the bridge was a wall. Like, you <laughs> just built the wall in the middle of the bridge. <laughs> like, they did. I don't I don't get it. Why do you have to mine it, too?
1: <laughs> well, you know, like in uh, um, Dark Knight Returns, they destroyed all but one bridge. And then that one was just, you know, heavily fortified. Yeah. They don't talk about uh, utilities or anything. I'm guessing there weren't any, didn't look like any in the movie, so.
0: Well, that was something they brought up in the movie. Some people had figured out how to get gas and had figured out um, how to do electrical stuff. Mm. And we'll get into that when we get to the brain and all that funness. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then now it's 1997, right? So it's been like nine years since this has been put into place, I guess, or some, some number of years. I got to figure out a, a major project like this, especially taking place in New York. I'm surprised, like, if they started building that wall in 1988, that they would have finished by 1997. <laughs> like, I, right. I, I just don't see it happening, but <laughs> this is a different America. This is a different dystopian.
1: Well, given that you got maybe six months worth of construction weather,
0: right. you know, in New York. I mean, that's another problem. With I mean, not, not only... Do you have all the Teamsters and other unions to deal with, but you have like the weather to contend with?
1: We point out all these things because there's no other story in the background. There's like no story about how it was achieved or like if it was just the president of the United States just took control over everything and his wish be done, you know? Yeah. So it's just we're, we're kind of piecing here because they didn't really want you to really ask any questions. They wanted you to just sit there to get into the movie.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because uh, I want to say Escape from L.A. They actually do this part a lot better. <laughs> they explain how they got there. <laughs> yeah nine years later now the big old now now on the screen i like that you know it's interesting because i i see a lot of movies they'll use like present day instead of now anymore Mm -hmm. i don't know if there's any significance behind that but that seems to be the trend that instead of instead of the word now you'll see a lot of times it'll say present day
1: i guess the idea is that the movie will be watched in such a time frame that present day like even if it came out ten years prior to when you're watching it, things won't have changed so much that you'll be like, Okay, I could still see this. Not that much has changed. I think this is also a sign that you're getting a B movie. Yeah. Because of the time reference. Like he doesn't he doesn't care that if you care that you believe in the time
0: frame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is definitely true given the fact that they built what they built. <laughs>
1: right so and then it's like kurt russell getting walked in oh they mentioned kurt russell like about how uh, former special forces guy and he uh, got caught robbing a federal reserve bank and he's on his way to be imprisoned in the new york maximum manhattan maximum security prison
0: you see him getting walked through the prison process the first shot is the uh we come up basically to the wall right Right. We have that Jeep pull up. And then we come up over the wall. Right. We hear like radio traffic that they've got a couple people trying to escape via raft, and they're in the middle of the middle of the harbor. Oh
1: yes. And then the helicopter spots them. Yep. And then you know te- warns them to turn around. They got thirty seconds. He doesn't really give them thirty seconds, and then blows them out
0: of the water. <laughs> and it's like, how do you even like turn? Around? They're on a raft using wooden chair legs or or table legs in order to right. How do you prove to a helicopter that you're turning around? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like that to me just seemed like they're just gonna kill these folks there's no there's no other way around it <laughs>
1: <laughs> like why why would you even bother lying? i didn't if you're those guys you ought to know that they were lying and be like screw it i'll dive into the cold ass water. <laughs> exactly i'm like you're
0: already like half floating in it and you're in your really crappy raft <laughs> i mean why not swim for it at that point or maybe you want to die like maybe that's kind of the point. Like you're, you're in and you want to get out. And really, you know that. What do they say? The only way out. There is no way out. Right. Once you go in, you don't go out. Right. And then Snake and what do they call him? Snake or do they call him? You see Kurt Russell <laughs> walking through the the prison yeah.
1: building. The uh, what would you call it? Intake. Intake. That's it. You know, having to follow the orange line and signs everywhere and what's kind of i don't know if humorous is the word but i guess head tilting is that you know like welcome to such and such and such a place (laughs) head down feet forward and Follow the orange line. If you choose to terminate your life now, speak with your in, intake officer. Yeah, and you will be, you know, disposed yeah, ter- of, and cremated. cremated.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's like wow, you'll be terminated
1: and cremated.
0: <laughs> yeah, giving off very much like abandon all hope, ye who enter here vibes. Mm-hmm. And and what did you, is they say? The next transport uh, to the island is in two two hours, and I'm kind of I'm thinking to myself. How do they transport these people in? Like, how does that process work? Because you can't go over the bridges or the tunnels, right? Because you mined all those, right? And so I'm assuming you're dropping them in.
1: We find out later that apparently there's a food drop in Central Park. Hmm. So I'd imagine that's also where they would drop off new intakes.
0: I'm just wondering how the new guys don't like immediately get killed. (laughs) (laughs) The people who are there. Right. That's interesting because they they talk about the food drop that they're going that they actually do feed them. Because I was wondering about that through the course of the movie. I'm like, but
1: that's not until almost the end of the movie that they talk about that. And it's only, you know, for purposes of them baiting a trap that they even mention it.
0: But yeah, he goes in there intake. He's walking along as normal with the two guards and they get to a point. He's like, let's get wait. And then it pans over to like where we're going, like the chief of security or whatever. I so want to right. run outside. To yeah,
1: the, to tell the head honcho guy about plane and restricted airspace.
0: Yeah, they got a plane coming in, in the, over the restricted airspace. You assume the airspace over Manhattan, the maximum security prison of Manhattan, would be restricted at this point,
1: <laughs> right? yada, yada, yada. They find out that the uh, re- plane that's in restricted airspace is Air Force One. Yeah, David
0: 15 the, or whatever. Or whatever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. D- yeah, D14. Yeah.
0: Let's decode Air Force One. <laughs> and like, it's going down and the guy's like calling on the radio the whole time. It's like, I'm not getting any response, you know. Now, to be
1: fair, this was the 80s and so airplane hijackings wasn't completely unusual.
0: Oh, yeah. It happened a lot. To be honest, <laughs> through the 70s so, and the 80s. I mean, that part's believable. But yeah,
1: you said they get a, a message saying, you know, there's no saving him now. We've got him, you imperialist.
0: You know, she doesn't say
1: pig dogs, but it's yeah. called them imperialists. Yeah,
0: pig dogs.
1: <laughs>
0: what, what does she call herself? Like the American workers will no longer be oppressed by your imperialist doctrines. It was basically communism. Right. <laughs> That's the typical communist terrorist line. Yeah. <laughs> All
1: your imperialist weapons can't save them now. We're going down. Yeah. We're going to crash, <laughs> which again, hits a little differently now.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> because <laughs> planes crashing into New York city. <laughs>
0: yeah. <And> a plane <laughs> crashing into a building in New York city. I was thinking about that while watching that. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes still feels a little too soon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course, now we, we're in the plane and it's a woman flying it, not to, you know, which is why this is more interesting because a woman terrorist pilot
0: yeah.
1: is, you know, taking control. A white woman, a white woman, you know, a communist, you know, terrorist reading the manifesto letter is going to crash the plane. Of course, you know. In the back of the plane, you know, Secret Service, like, we can't get in. And President's is like, all right, I'm going to the escape pod. Yeah, put me in the egg. And he gets, you know, handcuffs <laughs> a briefcase to himself because, you know, that was then the nuclear football. Yeah. I don't think they do that anymore, but. Yeah, right. So you figure it was like the nuclear launch codes or whatever. And then he goes in the back of the plane and there's, yeah, like you said, an egg escape pod, a bright red egg Escape
0: pod, yeah, <laughs> with the seal of, the, the, seal president of the president on, on top of it. And I'm like, if you're in a position where you're trying to escape, you
1: don't want to broadcast that you're yeah. the president <laughs> per <laughs> se, then you
0: are who you use, yeah, <laughs> you are who you are. Probably want to try and hide your identity a little bit. Yeah, the transponder's enough, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they put the little uh, wristband on him, which is a transponder, which is supposed to be. You know, we'll be able to find you uh, no matter what. Put them in the little Reddit. And it's funny what he says. It's like, you know, may God save me and watch over you, too. And I'm like, that's kind of a dick <laughs> thing to say. I mean, <laughs> and, and it's really not a dick thing to say. It's a dick way to say it. Like, you <laughs> know, like, ultimately, it's not it's better if you go with it. God bless us all or or God save us all. Not like save me. Oh, yeah, and you guys, too. Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Mr. President. You're supposed to end every sentence you say with, you know, God bless America. <laughs>
1: you know. Oh, I mean, like in this movie, nobody's supposed to be the good guy. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> Not even the good guys are the good guys. <laughs> yeah.
0: And that's true about both the escape movies is everybody's a bad guy, including Snake. <laughs>
1: So, of course, they tried a rescue attempt. And because of the oh-so-wonderful job they did of designing this escape pod, to nobody's surprise, the president is not in his escape pod.
0: Yeah. The egg has been opened. I repeat, the egg has been opened. That'd be a good t-shirt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the egg has been opened?
0: <laughs> Have the little red with the crack in it. <laughs>
1: so many places I went into that with my head but
0: don't do it Bruce (laughs) don't go in there there's only darkness (laughs) darkness and horror (laughs) why so much horror (laughs) stop it
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was going to say, the other thing that surprised me is... Only two Hueys landed, but it was like 30 guys got out. (laughs) Yes, like clown car
0: (laughs) Hueys, I guess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know how many people could fit in Huey, but I'm guessing not that many. (laughs) Yeah, it's like
0: 15 person per helicopter. That's a lot of people. I'm just so very interested as to like what is going on inside this prison, because inside any prison, there are typically (laughs) several gangs. The, uh, The whole relationship thing is super complex in a prison environment just like a school <laughs> you know there's right. organizations and gangs there's people who are working for the man there's people who are not working for the man you know like i am just like what's going on in here and they land and there's like nobody on the streets
1: because like you know the one thing vietnam taught us is that helicopter incursions are the least stealthiest way of getting <laughs> people into the field <laughs> 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 i mean it's like hey what's that strange noise oh it's a helicopter yeah there's nothing wrong with that oh wait Some no it's like
0: a bunch of guys made away the flag Ooh, that red white and blue keep, keep going keep going it's okay <laughs> i just sing here in the background. Are you trying to put background music to my thoughts here? Yes, you brought up Vietnam. I have <laughs> to sing "Fortunate Son." That's just—I sp- am contractually <laughs> obligated <laughs> to sing "Fortunate Contracted Son." To who? That's not to who and
1: for how much? Not your business. <laughs> but you just told me about it. Moving on. Anyway. <laughs> So they find the egg that the president's not in the egg. Like he's not here, he's not here. All right, we're gonna start looking for him. And then crazy guy comes out of nowhere and yeah. like, yeah, you guys are gonna get <laughs> out of here right now. Yeah, you know, like he's definitely a guy who's done some meth.
0: Yeah, and and his hair, I don't know how you get your hair to do that without some sort of you know, product of some kind. Maybe just
1: likes to touch live wires. <laughs> I, I
0: guess. Like, I don't know how you get your hair to stand that straight up <laughs> and live in the conditions they've been living in. So that I'm, I'm curious about that part, but yes, crazy guy. It's, it probably touches
1: yeah, method
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah stop touching the wires <laughs> <laughs> you're wasting electricity
1: so he tells him you know you, you know you got like 30 seconds to get out of here and he's like hold on we can negotiate and then he starts counting down and yeah shows him the finger Yeah, you know when they start running away yeah it shows him the finger that they cut off the president yeah which they never really bring up after that like it doesn't come up once
0: right it doesn't seem like the president's hand actually is missing a finger i don't think it is I think if we if we right. watch that, because let's, let's look at this from a time span perspective. We're going to see the president for the first time, I don't know, six or eight hours from this point. If he had literally had a finger <laughs> cut off. Like movie universe time. Right. He would have his hand wrapped in heavy gauze and it would still be bleeding. Like... <laughs> Like, there would still be a, a, you know, keep pressure on it or cauterize it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there'd still be some pain here. And the president's not really uh, jive into that. Now, what I'll definitely
1: say is it seems like in this movie, they had a limited number of sets that they were really proud of because there are a lot of slow panning shots of certain areas that I think eat up time. Like, you said there was like four pages worth of dialogue. Yeah. And they're like, So that means there's like 30 minutes of movie. In order to be considered a movie, we need like an hour and something. So So it's an hour and
0: 38 minutes
1: total. Right. (laughs) Including the credits. (laughs) I got it here from Amazon at 121 minutes. Including the credits. Including the credit,
0: really? <laughs> At least the version I bought on, on Amazon. I'm just going off the clock on the VCR that was ticking by. But yeah, short movie. And even then, they eat up a lot of screen time <laughs> with just these really long panning shots of mostly dark city space.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Because the next scene is, you know, the the head security guy back in his office talking to the vice president. And in the background's just... Big board, this that's supposed to be a map of you know Manhattan, the prison and the walls and all that, you know. Yep. So it was like they put a lot of money into the set design, so they wanted to make sure that what little they could to get you into the story, they did so with the visuals. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they're back in the you office know, talking with the vice president, and they're like, "No, we don't want to send in like a whole big force anymore because they might kill them. But you know, give me some time, and I got a plan." And obviously, the vice president says, OK, we'll go with your plan. So the next thing you see is Kurt Russell standing in the doorway and the head security guard tells him to sit down and lays it out to him.
0: Well, He pulls out a gun first <laughs> and checks it to make right. sure it's loaded. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah he can come in. <laughs> and Blitzen's all like, you know, shows him his hands, take my handcuffs off. And the guy's like, I'm not stupid, <laughs> which kind of becomes his like mantra is the, the guy who's in charge of the facility, the warden or whatever. He has, his, cur- his constant mantra is, I'm not stupid. Uh, he says it probably four or five times throughout the course of the film.
1: Right. So he just calls him Pliskin, and Pliskin tells him, call me Snake. You find out later in the film, but they don't really tell you. You kind of just have to notice. And again, it's one of those things you have to notice for all of, I don't know, five, maybe ten minutes in the movie. And then you're like, oh, that's why they call
0: him Snake. Oh, because the giant snake tattoo on his stomach? (laughs) Yeah. That if you could
1: use your imagination, know exactly where it's going.
0: Yeah. (laughs) 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 Yeah, because normally you'd have like a a showing off tattoo would be on your chest, right? Right. Except this snake tattoo, this cobra tattoo is literally on his stomach. Starts
1: at like his belly button. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: goes down. And then
1: goes down.
0: (laughs) So hmm <laughs> where's the tail go <laughs> oh what's what's
1: funny here is in this conversation apparently we're both special forces and each special forces had like a, a name Hulk was uh thunder texas thunder texas thunder yeah now apparently the scene where that gets plissken into jail was part of the original script according to amazon here but they cut it
0: huh Interesting. I want to cut it for expense because they definitely had time. (laughs) They could have showed all of the extra footage and still been okay. (laughs) So
1: the commissioner, head honcho guy says, you know, you'll get a pardon if you rescue the president. And by the way, you got 24 hours. But really by 24 hours, I mean 22 hours.
0: (laughs) Well, by 24 hours, I think he meant like from when the guy crashed, (laughs) which was before that conversation. (laughs) But yeah, they think about it and it's like, well, think about it fast because there's a time limit on this. And he explains the whole time limit thing that the president's got to be in at the conference or whatever it is before however many hours elapse, 22 hours at that point. Of course, it sort of lays it out for him, I guess, how he's going to go in and, and what he's going to do and, you know, his little watch transponder that's going to. He's got the one thing that's a countdown timer, right? And he's got the other watch that displays where he's at, right? It's a a transmitter with a catch on it. Mm -hmm. You have to know where the catch is to open it. And then once you hit it, it's 15 minutes. And he gets a gun.
1: They lay out a whole bunch of different weapons, you know, a pistol, an Uzi, some throwing stars, a knife, a scope. And then they tell him that he's going to be inserted by landing on top of the World Trade
0: Center. what turns out to be a glider. Effectively, it's a pilot, you know, it's a piloted glider,
1: special forces glider like you used in Leningrad, they said. Just
0: like in Leningrad. Yeah. Which is interesting because it points to like there being an actual war of some kind because you figure Leningrad, St. Petersburg would have been Russian territory and that would have been spy operation stuff. But Blitzkin is special forces, which means army. So... That means you actually had war, like an actual war ongoing between the U.S. and the U.S.S.R. that somehow hadn't wiped everything out. Or maybe it had. Maybe there had been something of a nuclear war. And that's one of the reasons crime was at 400%. <laughs> you know, it it does beg the question. And they do make that statement, I think, to Blitzen at some point, like we're still at war or something like that.
1: They're getting them ready to insert them. And then at first they tell them they're giving them an inoculation for like bacteria and other diseases that will probably run rampant. And then they tell them, well, really what it is 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 two. Uh, two capsules that eventually dissolve and kill you painfully.
0: Yeah, they explode and open your arteries up <laughs> so you bleed to death internally. That will blow up 15 minutes before your timer goes off. <laughs> they neutralize it with x-rays and they can do that within 15 minutes of the timer going up. They'll neutralize it with x-rays and you'll be fine. Right. That's the part of the clock. And it's funny because when he gets to, to the time clock, he's like, I thought we talked about 24 hours. And the guy's like, he doesn't even like acknowledge the question. He's like, it's 22 hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he tells us it's 22 hours because we've got to get this tape up to the Hartford summit, you know, before the Soviets and the Chinese go home.
0: It's the Hartford summit. That's the crazy thing to me. Why the heck were you flying over New York? <laughs> right. Well, and I get it. You're, it's hijacked by somebody. I don't know how the hijacker pulled it off. Was she like a, dressed like a stewardess? Is that how she did it?
1: You can't really tell, though, because it was really dark and red in that cockpit. Like, you don't know if she was dressed like an insurgent or... a or a flight attendant, or whatever. You really don't even know how she got a hold of the plane.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, you see at least one, At least the co-pilot dead there from the way they shot it. Yeah, so there's a lot of questions (laughs) on that front. (laughs) Like, how did she get control of the plane at all? I got to figure in an ultra-imperialist United States that maybe they would protect (laughs) Air Force One a little better, (laughs) but... (laughs) Uh, there's no accounting for communists apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah,
1: Pliskin, Snake gets into the hang glider and takes off. Or gets pulled for takeoff, you know. What's funny about this is on the insertion, he starts flying in to Manhattan, flying fairly low. Yeah. Which I mean I understand the basic principles of gliders. Usually you don't start low and go
0: high. You can't do that unless you've got some sort of updraft that you can count on right. to pull you up. This whole thing was just like, okay, this is dumb. Like <laughs> From a physics standpoint, <laughs> aeronautics standpoint, I was like, no, he wouldn't be able to do any of this crap. <laughs> Let's get, what are you doing? I'm just looking around. Hey. hey, hey. <laughs>
1: Never mind, be able to land on top of a skyscraper and on top of the tallest one
0: in the area beyond, you know,
1: (laughs) and still not have anybody
0: notice. (laughs) Then I get it. Like, I guess we see more people on the streets later, but like for most of this film, the streets have not a lot of people on them.
1: Which you would think with a country with, you know, 400% increased in crime, there'd be a lot of people in that prison.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was interesting to me that there was almost nobody there. But I guess that gets down into like the various factions and and groups that are running rampant within the, the island. I will
1: say the actual aerial views of New York are pretty... Pretty good, pretty high res, and
0: no, oh, no, they're stunning. Did a good job on that. I mean, it's interesting because you get it, you get it without lights, right? Which is you barely ever see, right? But yeah, you get the whole island not lit up in the nighttime, which is something you never see.
1: It was probably done with a painting or something.
0: I know some cities occasionally do like a lights out thing, so you can see the stars. And I'm wondering if they like timed it with that, <laughs> or or something of that nature, or just painted it over. But I don't know what kind of digital editing technology they had at that time. I mean, it it was the '80s, so not sure how they pulled that off.
1: And the view in the cockpit with the computers there. I mean, yeah, I guess that tells you something. Yep. You know that battle zone kind of graphics. Yeah.
0: Right. The green <laughs> vector graphics. <laughs> so yeah, but eventually he flies up as his glider all the way up to the tower and then lands it, you know, almost goes over the edge, but doesn't doesn't quite adds a little bit of tension to it. You know, it's interesting to me, he talks on this walkie-talkie, this giant brick, right? <laughs> the walkie-talkie is this right. huge, huge brick of this huge antenna, like a six-foot antenna. <laughs> he's pulling out and putting into <laughs> this thing as he's calling the guy back. Blitzkin, did you land okay? Are you there? Blitzkin, Blitzkin! snake. Like, I kept hoping for that from Metal Gear Solid, but they never gave it to me.
1: Robot House! Robot House!
0: Yes. So we get the landing and um that's probably where we'll call it for this one. <laughs> yeah. We'll definitely get two. Yeah. We're we're gonna It'll get two. Ex- yeah,
1: maybe we will get through. It yeah, yeah, just depends get... on
0: how much I it's decide just... to talk about, you know, senators from Nevada. <laughs> 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 Another sidebar conversations.
1: It really just depends on how much we're gonna complain about, you know, some of these parts because
0: Yeah. It's fun watching movies again. Yeah. Although definitely not as nearly a deep a movie as possibly any of the movies we watched.
1: B-movies are fun if for just entertainment value. This isn't the worst movie I've ever seen, and that's because it was pretty minimal. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't do enough for it to hang itself with. Everybody involved was pretty professional, and the writing was so low-key that it, there's that much to pick apart.
0: Yeah, so. four pages of dialogue.
1: <laughs> yeah, really, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to really getting into this one on the next one. Yep.
0: So we'd like to thank all of our patrons for their patronage. We appreciate you helping us to do the show. If you'd like to become a patron, head to the website patandthefatman.com and click on the Patreon button. It'll take you to Patreon where you can sign up to be a fan or a big fan or a really big fan and get access to all of our exclusive content on the Patreon, which is mostly other episodes of us talking about other stuff. If you listen to the last episode we posted on this uh, our main feed or maybe a couple episodes ago now that was Mandalorian season 3 episodes 1 and 2 you you can get a feel for the kind of stuff we put on the Patreon if you're interested in becoming a patron you get access to all of that and we would appreciate it uh, if you like the show to uh maybe give us a dollar or two a month not only
1: that sign up for our Facebook for our Twitter Instagram you can find us Pat and the Fat Man YouTube we're trying to get the video is a little bit more sort, uh, sorted out there, uh, subscribing, hashtagging us, ha- linking us on your social medias. That also helps grow us as well. We'd really appreciate that. Let us know that you're doing that. So we know how to, who to direct our thanks to, um, not the least of which is our producer Shay who does a wonderful job of, um, editing all this for us.
0: Yeah. We, uh, we appreciate us not, not murdering us so far. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah share us far and wide with all your friends and families and strangers you meet on the street too thank you for joining us for another episode of pat the fat man stay classy i'm the fat man otherwise known as bruce oh yeah and i'm pat i guess <laughs> <laughs> still stay classy
1: <laughs> snake, snake. We're really trying to get out of there. Where right? you just skip over your name there at the end? <laughs> I stalled. I was like,
0: Wait, do I normally say my name or do I say the catchphrase? You do both. Yeah. Well, my brain was like, Say the catchphrase. <laughs> All right, I don't, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I panicked. I panicked. I've only done 90 of these. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> And you guys too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you guys too. <laughs>